Hello, and welcome again to my show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I'm searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, Integrity Deficit Disorder. We have today as our guest, a special guest, um, the Dr. Craig Hogan, PhD, and the author of eight afterlife-themed books. Wow. What about that? Well, pretty soon I'm going to let you go to it. <laughs> That's All right. Good. Wonderful. Uh, I had written down here, right up below that, of course, the book title. The book is Evidence Beyond a Reasonable Doubt that you will never die. And the reasons for that, I believe, are for what happens to you in your life and your afterlife from speakers in the afterlife. I'll have to look into that. I'm also a speaker. <laughs> <laughs> you probably have met some of these speakers, so you may not realize it. Probably, probably. Well, I've got a whole bunch of questions here i just don't know where to start mm -hmm. i'll let i'll let you start how did you get into this well i started it when i was about a half century old and i started meeting psychics i had no religious interests prior to that uh early on i was a professor at wheaton college in wheaton illinois that was a conservative baptist college but i left that religion was not a good fit for me so I went on without any religion, without any belief system of any kind. And then when I turned 50, then I had psychics coming into my life, just people I would meet and, and turn out that this person is a psychic and, and this person is a medium. And, and they just kept coming into my life. And so I started investigating. I went to a psychic and she said to me, you have remote viewing ability and you have psychometry ability. In other words, you can hold things in my hand and tell you what they are without looking at them. The remote viewing ability was something that I was not familiar with. And so I got online and found out about remote viewing. And you can sit anywhere in the world, close your eyes, and focus upon a picture or an object thousands of miles away. And you can get impressions of it in your mind and then sketch them and send it off to the person and say, is this what it was like? And then they can send out the photograph and say, sure is. That's exactly what it was. So I found out I had remote viewing ability. And that meant that the mind is not in the brain. The mind is not housed in the brain. The brain doesn't have to use a brain. It, it will function perfectly well, independent of, of the brain. So that means that when the brain goes away, the mind just keeps on going. It just goes on its merry way and it comes into, into brighter futures that it has for itself. And so I started studying that to really understand what happens in the life after this life. And now uh, I'm focused upon helping people to understand. We know so much about the life after this life. We, we almost have roadmaps around the life after this okay. life. We know what happens when people go through the transition, what happens just before, during and after. And now we can communicate with the people who are living there. And so we, we have learned new ways of doing that. And we're teaching people how to communicate with their loved ones living in the afterlife. Right. Now, did you, first of all, uh, make this your thesis? 
No, my thesis was actually in in uh, in, in training. I am a trainer, I'm a professional trainer, and uh, I was in a different field. I was not in this field at all, and I got that when I was 29. Uh, and, and then I developed after that, uh, I developed programs and books, and I was a consultant at a medical school and a consultant in a school of health sciences. And um, I was involved with a, a college of business. I was teaching in a college of business. So all of that was happening prior to my epiphany when I finally learned what things are all about. You know, when you first said that you were a trainer, I had this mm -hmm. this scene that flashed in front of me. You were standing by a cage with a whip and a couple of tigers in a cage. That's it. You got it. That's what I do. <laughs> but the tigers, those are my students, and that's the way I treat them. So <laughs> I get their attention. I really whip them into shape. That's the way to do it. <laughs> uh, I thought that uh, I would look at the, geez, the, the proof from 15 areas of evidence. Mm -hmm. uh, and does any one of those work better than the other for yourself they're all they're all magnificent and people just don't realize what they are even if you show people it's they're so unbelievable that it's difficult for people to believe them but we have the evidence we have the the sources we know who the sources are and so then we know because of that that they are valid i'll give you one of the most prominent we have the recordings of voices from a direct voice medium. A direct voice medium sits in a room and voices come out of the air, and it's the voices of the people living in the afterlife. And so the voices come out of the air and they speak to people sitting in the room. And so now we have the recordings of parents talking to their children, children talking to their parents, spouses talking to each other, all of them while they sit in this room. One of them is dead. One of them is has been dead perhaps for dozens of years. And the other is sitting in this room with the, with the medium, and that's all that it takes. And the reason we know that these are valid is because the medium that we know about has been tested thousands of times and yes. has never been found to have any difficulties with them. And the other reason we know is because the people who come through from the other side and speak to their spouses, for instance, on this side, when they're speaking to them, they're talking to them about things going on in their life right now. There's one in a woman who uh, tells her husband, you know, I, I don't like those pictures in the flat. I want you to change those pictures and, and in one visit. And then in the next <laughs> visit, he came with the direct medium. He She said, I just love the pictures, the way that you've got them. Uh, in another instance, she went with him to the, to the cemetery and she watched him put flowers on a grave. And she said, I watch you put flowers on the grave and I just can't imagine why I'm not there. I'm not there. And, uh, and so she says, I, the only reason I'm in, ever in the cemetery is because you go there. And uh, <laughs> we have the people from coming in from the life after this life. We have the recordings of them with the statements they make. They all, all of the loved ones, parents, children, all of the loved ones say, yes, that is my loved one sitting there. And if you listen to the recordings, then you'll hear them like they're talking over a breakfast table. And they're sharing things about their lives, about their past lives, about what's going on in their lives now. These could not be fabricated. There's no medium here. This is a, actually a person speaking to a loved one who's sitting in the room. So there's no medium involved. Nobody's making guesswork. It could not be fraud because you have the woman, for instance, who is speaking, uh, speaks in a woman's voice, her own voice with the same accent right. that she said when she was on earth and that she talks about the things that they did together, the two of them. And she talks about things that are going on in their life right now. That could not happen unless it was the person from the life after this life coming through and speaking to her husband. 
interesting. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, especially the, especially for for me. I'm I'm looking at the medium side, mm-hmm. um, and because I'm I'm beginning taking lessons once I come back from San Antonio, where my kids are graduating, my grandchildren are graduating high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, good for you. Good yep, for I'm you. Do it. Good, good for you. Everyone can be a medium. We are all have the ability to be a medium for ourselves with our loved ones. So we can, everybody can communicate with their their loved ones. There's a method that's used by psychotherapists that puts the person into a state of mind in which they have these communications. It is 98% successful. And the people then, their grief, because they have grief when they come into the session, it's on a score of 10 on a 10 point scale, or even they even say 10 plus, plus, plus. They're deeply grieving. They have these afterlife connections in this, in one session. Their grief reduces from, from a zero to three on the 10 point scale. That's in one session. And the reason is because they have this encounter. They actually speak with their loved one. They sometimes have uh, examples of, of wonderful trips that they take with them. They they go off and, and they walk along the seashore together. They, they hug and they kiss together. So once they've had this experience in their own mind, as the psychotherapist puts them into that state of mind, they are completely changed. They change their view about life and, and the afterlife. They change their, their grief from very strong grief to minimal grief, understanding they're sad because their loved one is not here, but they know where they are and they have no doubt in their mind of it. That's, uh, that's for me and all mm-hmm. others, that, that's, that's, that's a miracle. It's phenomenal. It is a miracle. It is a miracle. It is. And now, it's always there. We just don't, people just don't know about it. Right. You're right. They, they don't know about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I wrote my book with my deceased lawyer mm-hmm. and I helped, I helped him write my book mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and he's still around me. He's still here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, he saved me then and he, he deserves every bit of it. Let me tell you. He, yeah. Wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. Anybody can do that. Anybody can have those experiences. Now you had it with someone who was not a close loved one. That's unusual. That means you're more sensitive than the average person. But anyone can have a communication with their loved ones. We have a, a self-guided afterlife communication training program. It's online. It's free, and we invite people to get on and go through it. And once they go through it, eighty-six percent then will have their own afterlife communications while they sit in their living room, or sit in the doctor's office, or sit in their car. And so we know. That Anybody can be successful in communicating with their own loved ones. And some people are, who are sensitive like you can communicate with people who are not their loved ones. But we know the communication is, is possible because they're alive. There is no death and there are no dead. Right. As you were describing that, uh, as I went through with my book and, mm-hmm. and, and as I was going with that, uh, he was in the, in, in the distance and he, he started yelling or complaining no mm-hmm. yeah he, mm-hmm. he would say i am part of the family i am the guy that, yeah. i am yeah. the guy that kept you from going to prison you know yeah 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 and you're getting those messages and you're getting them and, and it sounds like you're getting them as voice messages usually the messages come through as messages whole the whole message all at once without the voice and then people translate it back into the voice 
but you're getting the messages. You're sensitive to that, and, and everybody can do it. These messages from loved ones who are living in the life after this life, they're in our subconscious. They're all there. They are speaking to us, and we know that it's there. The problem is allowing it to bubble up into our awareness, and that's what we teach. That's the difficult part. Is that the meditation part? Is that part of that? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, is, it is a guided meditation. The training is a guided meditation that takes the person through relaxing, getting into the, the state of relaxation, focusing upon the love for that they have for that person, inviting them to be there, and then opening the door and they are there. And once they they're there, then they can communicate with them. And the communication then flows very easily. We also teach people how to use what's called automatic writing. It's where they sit down with the, with sheets of paper, 10 sheets of paper, and they have a pen in their hand and they start to scribble things. They scribble the, a, a, a question that they want to ask their loved one. And they, so they invite them to come. They ask their question and scribble it down. And they're not worried about legibility. You're just scribbling. And so then they scribble that question down. And then immediately, the first thing that comes to their mind, they scribble the answer. If you have to stop and wait for it, that means you missed it. So you scribble down the answer and then scribble down a question or a response and then scribble down the answer. And it just goes like that one after another. And then after a while, people find out they don't need the scribbling. They just uh, <laughs> sometimes sometimes uh, people like uh, the uh, mediums uh, will sometimes just use a pen that they'll circle in their hand. It's not really writing, but it's just something to distract their, their conscious mind because they have to get the conscious mind out of the way. The conscious mind is just in the way it's full of, of monkey stuff, you know, the, the things that are going on in our lives. So once we get that out of the way, the messages are there. Our loved ones are trying to get them through to us. Then they can bubble up into consciousness. Well, that's one way. Another, mm -hmm. which which is kind of excites me in terms of that. Um, I'll start. I'm going to start carrying a little pad. Something that, yes. And again, it's so, just on the pad, you know, whether I wrote down it or not. Yeah, uh, as you just described. Yeah, whatever comes to you, because the, the messages are coming to you. And if you just write them down as quickly as they come to you, then after a while, you'll be able to put this, the conscious mind to the side. You'll uh -huh. be able to empty the conscious mind because you're getting used to that. It's a skill anybody can learn. So you move the conscious size to the side. You become an empty rice bowl. You become empty. When you become empty, then all of these messages can come up. And as you say, any time of the day, if you're just driving down the road and suddenly something comes to you, you know, you have a feeling of a, an understanding. You have a feeling of a message. That's them getting it through to you. And, and I think you're, you're writing it down. It's a wonderful idea. I, we uh, really advocate that people keep diaries when they wake up in the morning. Then the first thing that they do is they write down in the diary what happened. And many times they'll have a dream because when you're in the sleep state, you're in a relaxed state, just like when the psychotherapist puts the person into a relaxed state. And so in the relaxed state, then they will come to you and, and speak. And then we advocate the people then write that down afterwards. And, and that's uh, exactly the kind of thing that you're doing. Wow. Now, mm -hmm. what, what about reincarnation? Reincarnation is misunderstood. It has come from the Eastern religions. They have a peculiar notion about reincarnation that you can start off as a snake and then you can become a dog and then you can become a, a person and then you can become an enlightened being. And they, they see this as being one person who goes through each one of these stages, keeps coming back in the wheel, the wheel of reincarnation. 
And that's a misunderstanding. When I say it's a misunderstanding, I say that we're, we're getting messages. Everything that I speak about, everything that I do is coming from messages from the other side. All of it is like I have citations of the sources. And so they give me the messages about what it is that, that's going on. I read about them from other, from mediums, other people who've gotten the messages. They all come from the other side. And so what they're saying to us now very clearly, and it's corroborated among them, what happens is we become, we are individuals. We never will become another individual, but other individuals in our higher self, we are made, the higher self is made up of many individuals. We're just one of those individuals. So in the higher self, other people can incarnate. They can come into the earth plane and grow up in the same way that we did. But we remain individuals all the way through all of our growth and into the next millennia when we're still growing. We do not then come back to earth and become a new person. But that other person then who is in the higher self, when they were planning that person's life, they drew things from various sources to make our life. Then and there were, they had a framework from another person who didn't learn a lesson and they wanted, they wanted to learn it. And a framework from another person who had a difficulty with their spouse and you wanted to learn how to overcome that. And so they pull these pieces together to create our life. Our lives are planned. And so when they do that, then they will take a, a framework from another life. In other words, a great part of another life. And they will use that framework that gives us an affinity then we're intertwined with that that person who had lived before so when somebody has a past life regression what they're doing is they are recalling that other person's life they're interacting with them because we're intertwined with that other person so there are past life regressions and the past life regressions can help heal the people they may have something that was in that other person's life that is affecting their life now and once they get rid of that when they understand it then they can overcome the difficulty. So reincarnation is misunderstood. We do have an incarnation. In other words, people come into the earth school, the earth mind, but yeah. we don't. And once we've come in, we don't change and become some other person. I don't become an Eskimo woman with 13 children, you know, and uh, <laughs> you just don't do that. That's not the way it happens. So our loved ones are always available to us. You don't have to worry about them being reincarnated. They don't do that. They're available to us to communicate anytime that we want to communicate with them. Very much interesting. Mm -hmm. You see, you see, back before in the beginning of the, my book, mm -hmm. uh, my lawyer, Steve, that's how he got me out of trouble, uh, mm -hmm. which I didn't, well, I didn't deserve anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and we, and what would, we decided to come back uh incarnation mm -hmm. uh, i mm -hmm. was i was i was born in nashville he was born in dallas and uh, mm -hmm. it was within the same week mm -hmm. and then it took us uh, 30 32 years for events mm -hmm. to happen here and there whatever 32 years mm -hmm. that he came to do what he was supposed to do his karma. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My, my yeah. karma was just all all over it. It was uh, as much as I could have. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, and so, so you're, yeah, huh? you you plan those things. Uh, your soul planned them, right? So so your soul understands. Your soul knows of, about everything in your life. The soul is part of planning, along with guides and other others. So your life was planned, but it's also planned in concert with others. 
So you have a soul group that you come into earth school with and, and everybody decides what they're going to be doing. One is going to be a, the father and one's going to be the mother. And, and as you say, in, th in this case, it's, it's your, your partnership. And, and that is something you planned ahead of time that you would do once you got onto the earth plane. Our souls know about it and they're guiding us and helping us through that process. So the soul of your friend then is working with your soul to make things happen so that the two of you are able to do things together. And, but it's all planned. It's all part of the pre-planning. Yeah. I don't argue about any of that. It's mm -hmm. true. I've lived, I've lived it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You were familiar with it yeah. firsthand. Mm -hmm. Quite a bit, quite a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, how do, uh, how do people, once they acquire, uh, I guess, recognition and loving of their soul, if that's if that's something that they try to uh, pass on to the others, other than being uh, like you opened a preacher in a Baptist church. Mm -hmm. It is like an energy so that our feelings of goodwill and compassion then are like an energy and it spreads from one person to another. So that as we have love and goodwill and, and compassion for other people, they feel those things, feelings towards us. They feel those feelings towards other people. We all then feel them more. Love and compassion grows. We came into earth school in order to learn how to be loving and compassionate. And as we learn to be loving and compassionate, then that spreads, that energy spreads to other people. The more people that are involved in that, the, the more loving and compassionate the world becomes. There have been studies which have done that, that have discovered the Maharishi effect. The Maharishi effect is when a, a sizable number of people within a community, it can be one, one or two percent of the people, will meditate in, in Zen meditation, focusing upon healing and on love that it changes the entire community, whatever the community is. And it makes the, the community more loving to each other. There are fewer crimes committed. There are more efforts to help other people. There are more, more things that happen that are, that are positive. And this studies, these studies have been done in Israel, in the United States, in Washington, D.C., of all, of all cities. And every one of them showed the same thing. When this one or 2% of the population focus upon love and healing, then it made a change in the entire community. And what would happen if we had 20% or 50%? What would our communities be like? They would be full of love and compassion. We would live in heaven on earth, but it's right. up to us to be able to make it happen. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. People don't realize until it surrounds them. Yeah. And, and, they, and they see it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You have to experience it. You have to experience it. Yeah. Uh -huh. and, and we do experience it. We experience love. We we can think of one person, one person whom we love and they love us back. Maybe only be the only person in our life. You know, some people don't have very many of those kinds of people, but you've got that one person. And you think back and that, and you have that love with one person. And then we can we can then imagine what would it be like if I had that kind of love and received that kind of love from everybody. Right. Everybody in my life, you know, and there'd be no question. There'd be nobody would would gossip about me or would be cruel to me or would say things that were hurtful. That there would right. be no such thing. And we can imagine what life would be like if all people were that way. The only thing that keeps us from doing it is that people have not made the decision to do it. They don't understand that we're eternal beings. We're here to grow in love and compassion with each other. And we right. both 
each other. We help each other. We are intertwined with each other. And when people realize that, then it spreads like an energy among the people and it makes life wonderful for the group of people. But there's another phenomenon that happens in physicians' offices. A physician's office becomes a healing space. And we know that to be true because uh, there have been studies that have been done in which uh, flasks of blood cells have been put in experimental and control flasks. They've been put in Faraday cages, which means that electronic uh, signals cannot go through it. So they're put into Faraday cages and at the same time, a matching experiment and control flask outside of the Faraday cage has blood in them. And what they do is they, they have the experimental group, they have people pray for the, for the cells in the experimental group, and they pray for the ones that are inside and as well as the ones that are outside. And what happens is they, they, they put a saline, a saline solution into the blood cells and that will kill them. And what they found out is that the, the blood cells that are prayed for, they maintain their, their integrity much longer. They stay alive. And, and that shows experimentally that when person, when we, someone is prayed for, it does make a difference for them. So what we know now is that in a physician's office, if it's a wonderful physician that everybody loves and they do healing, then that office feels like a healing space. It's because it's become a healing space. And if a person, if the physician is not so loving and they're hostile and they don't have a good bedside manner, it feels icky. Right. It feels like it's negative. So we know that we affect the world around us. We make the world different and we make each other different. Why? Right. Well, I sure am glad that you answered the phone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because there's there's a lot here that I, I yes. intend to accomplish. I yes. didn't realize that. Yeah. Nevertheless, yeah. I wanna I wanna give you the opportunity now to pitch your book. You know, people are gonna want to listen to this and they're gonna go, they're gonna beat the door down, said Amazon and yeah, I would love to see people read the book because it's an eye-opener. People don't realize what we know to be true now. They're so phenomenal that you have to read them twice. But it's uh, the evidence beyond a reasonable doubt. You will never die. And it's available on Amazon, Amazon.com. And what it does is to go through 15 areas of evidence, like that area of evidence of the woman who was with her husband in the cemetery. And these areas of evidence show that we are alive after this life. Our loved ones are available to us. They are communicating to us. We have the proof that they're communicating to us. And so we, that book has all of the proof that anyone needs. And if you go through that, then you will understand the fact that we are eternal beings having a physical experience and that we are together in this endeavor, loving one another, growing in love and compassion. And we just have to realize that that's true. I'm so glad that you joined us, joined my audiences, my listeners. Uh, I know they've enjoyed you um, in this uh, session that we had. Uh, I uh, like to also listen my listen to listen to and and, and grateful for them uh, mm -hmm. in terms of you know listeners and an audience gotta have that to, to do this. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a uh, it's it's all in tuning into for me searching for integrity mm -hmm. and i'd like to say goodbye by giving you this so long and happy trails to <laughs> all until we meet again